0: I will say one like little like PSA for folks to really kind of focus on the culture that they want to create and build with their team. And that's not just at the staff level, that's overall the organization. And I think the problem is, is when I come in, they can never answer those questions. Um, it's rare that uh, someone can explain to me their culture. They're usually asking me to fix it. Um, and so I try to remind folks that you know I'm not going to be here forever, right? So it's really important to kind of really sit down and really desire design or dream about what this culture is going to look like uh, after you're long and gone Um, and how does that look like at the board level and what does that look like at the staff volunteer and beyond and how can we weave this all together?
1: Are you looking for ways to
0: shorten your marketing learning curve and help your organization survive and thrive? Welcome to Relish This, the purpose marketing podcast a show for purpose-focused
1: leaders who want to use marketing techniques to fuel their organization's growth. If you're a returning listener and you haven't subscribed already, we'd love to have you. Also, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, here's your host, author and marketing specialist, Stu Swinefort. Hey, everybody, Stu here. Welcome to Relish This. If there are three takeaways from today's show, they are the following... The first is that culture is super important in any business, and making sure that you have your team aligned culturally is just an incredible way to start to build your business. And if you haven't done it already, uh, going back to that and making sure that you have culture defined and aligned um, is, is just paramount. The second is that treating everything like an experiment and making sure that you track and document and have data on which you can actually iterate. Um, so really looking at everything like it's it's a part of this bigger growth, this, this iteration, this evolution of your business, and making sure that you have the data available to uh, make good decisions. And the third is that my guest, Otissa Eads, is just an amazing person. She is an HR consultant and an HR and systems strategist. And she's just amazing. So I think you're going to love this show. Otissa and I had a really fun conversation. Here we go. Otissa, how are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm happy to be talking to you today.
1: Well, I am happy to have you on the show. I think this is dropping in the late May, early June, twenty twenty two zone. When we finally go live, we're recording today on what's a beautiful day up here in the mountains in kind of kind of mid to late April, Um, seeing some warmer weather and snow is melting and um, it's springtime in the Rockies. Thanks for thanks so much for being on the show today.
0: Thank you for having me. And you know, it's doing the same thing here in in the city. It's it's definitely warm. There's you know bees and wasps trying to get into my place, so t- it's definitely springtime
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice It's a good time to be here I think um you know once we get through mud season that that tends to be the 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 kicker, so hopefully we'll run through that as quickly as possible so um again i I'm really excited to chat with you today. I know we connected several months ago in fact, I think our my our mutual friend Jeff Kinsey, who was on the show um late last year. Uh, introduced us. And you are an HR specialist and consultant in the, um, and you do a lot of work in the in the nonprofit sector. Is that right?
0: That is absolutely correct.
1: So tell us a little bit about your organization and what you do for nonprofits.
0: Yeah. So I started my business in 2019, but I didn't get started with working with uh, nonprofits until 2020. And um, my business is evolving and growing as I evolve and grow. And it's been a pleasure, like working with different uh, sizes of nonprofits, working with, um, you know, just mostly when nonprofits come to me, and I joke about this, but it's true, is they come to me when uh, things are really hitting the fan and, um, you know, people are leaving and all, all this, I would say, all, all the problems are erupting at one time. And so they usually come to me because, oh, look, they're hiring an ED. What, you know, the board needs to figure out what to do. Or, hey, we, we we want a staff retreat because, you know, our staff has changed and we're worried about retention and our goal setting and, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do and – uh, and so I come in and, uh, you know, I, I create that. And that's actually happening like next week. So it's fresh <laughs> in my mind. Um, so a, a lot of the times, you know, folks are coming to me because there is a problem that they want solved. And usually that problem has been developed for a very long period of time. And usually folks are – they think that I can just come in and fix it and move on. And a lot of the times that's not the case. <laughs> so, right. So, yeah, it, it's, it's been a, a great journey so far. And I'm starting to kind of see these themes that are kind of coming coming. coming up um, again and again with uh, nonprofits that kind of come my way. And my goal is to really tr- trying to share like hey here's some things that you can start considering now before you hire more folks or before you grow your organization like here's some things that you can be thinking of but right now it's just me as the head consultant i do work with other contractors and other folks that i can bring in with bigger projects or like i said like retreats or workshops or trainings i like to i like to work with folks so any way nice. i can i can collaborate i i do Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it kind of how it began is in 2020, I was doing other types of work and, uh, a friend of mine was like, Hey, my friend works at this uh, nonprofit and they're, they're about to start this onboarding, this heavy onboarding season and they're not prepared. Can you help them? I was like, yeah, sure. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's kind of how I started and it grew from there.
1: Oh, Great. That, that's, um, it's a, it's a really fun, uh, adventure when we kind of fall into these opportunities and, and, and it's like, oh wow, that I didn't even, that didn't even occur to me six months ago. And now here I am running my own show. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. But, um, so you mentioned some themes that you typically hear from, from, uh, your, your clients. What are some of those, some of those big problem buckets that you tend to, to help, people uh, dig their way out of
0: yeah so before I go into that I will say one like little like PSA for folks to really kind of focus on the culture that they want to create and build with their team and that's not just at the staff level that's overall the organization I think the problem is is when I come in they can never answer those questions um, It's rare that someone can explain to me their culture they're usually asking me to fix it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I try to remind folks that, you know, I'm not going to be here forever, right? So it's really important to kind of really sit down and really design or dream about what this culture is going to look like. Uh, after you're long and gone. Um, and how does that look like at the board level? And what does that look like at the staff, volunteer and beyond? And how can we weave this all together? So that's one big PSA. Because
1: <laughs> nice.
0: uh, it trickles down into everything, you know, from from systems to governance models to hiring and firing. Like it all, it, it really all blends together. But folks, unfortunately, they don't think about culture in, in, in their systems. They think about culture as this like, separate entity kind of like a mission statement people think that it's a statement that this is what our culture is and it's like mm, not really um, but yeah a lot of the times folks uh, that I I guess I've seen or the challenges I've seen is is handling growth and it and um, kind of having a growth plan for the or Uh, For the organization. Um, So meaning like, you know, maybe at the very beginning it was this ED and now it's five years and it's the same ED um, and they have maybe a few staff members. Um, But I know that that's not going to be the end all be all of the team. So yeah. a lot of the times no one really has sat down and decided like, okay, for the long term, do we see this being just an ED? Okay, does this ED need support at the staff level? What does that look like? Let's create an org chart of our dreams um, because then that helps with the hiring process no matter what stage you're at. If you already can see how um, this org can develop, then it makes the little things easier to deal with because you're like, okay, well, right now I need a grants a grant writer contractor, but It's looking like we're going to have a whole team of development. So what does that look like? Maybe I start looking for a development director in the next six months that works with this grant writer contractor now. So that way Mm -hmm. I can offload this whole kind of area to someone else that has that expertise because I'm learning that EDs wear way too many hats. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty typical. You know, so that's just one area that I'm noticing is, you know, the EDs wearing way too many hats and... You know, and then also they're trying to be HR at the same time, which I find fascinating. Um, because how, I guess for me as an HR, man, as a HR manager, director, whatever, um, my goal is to make sure that the staff have what they need. They're able to communicate those needs. We're able to fix their problems or do any behavior correction or whatever we got to do with the staff. But we also have to think about the employer um, and what they need and what their requests are and how can we kind of compromise, negotiate, do what we have to do to make sure um, this is a safe environment, but all these needs and requests are being communicated and followed through on. So how can an ED (laughs) maintain that neutrality at all times? Uh, And how can they gather feedback from that staff when it's about them? Right, so right. that's that. That's a huge one um, that I I I find again and again and again always comes up. Even though they hired me to like help their board with something, <laughs> I'll get a call like, "Yo, our ED is having issues. Can you talk to them?" You know, um, or "Hey, like we're dealing with a lot of turnover. What's going on?" So. And I really think it boils down to the fact that this executive director just has way too much pressure to, to you know for one person um, and way too many tasks. So um, I think that that's something that folks really need to kind of look at from the board level and from the staff level. Like how, how can this ED have the support and how can we help them when they need something? But also what happens when the staff are noticing things. Um, it's kind of inappropriate, right? To, for the staff member to email the board, you know, chair, Hey, I have this problem, right? That's usually not a sure. norm. So no. um, that's kind of, I would say those are the big ones. And then the last one is hiring, firing policies, procedures. Uh, usually uh, folks either have been, uh, they've been lucky. And so firing is very rare. And so when it does happen, um, that can be a, a thing or uh just dealing with the nuances of being a manager and, ha- and having staff. So when conflict arises or, Oh my gosh, this person is not showing up on time. Like what do I do? Um, or Hey, we have a handbook, but it's not really fleshed out. It's kind of a template we use from so-and-so. Right. Um, right. so there's not a lot of internal systems put in place. And, and usually they're trying to do that at the same time as something else that's going on, whether it's, um, You know, it could is that your cat? Sorry.
1: Yes. (laughs) Let me let me pause you there for a second, kick her out. Hold on a sec.
0: Kitty.
1: So sorry. No so sorry about that.
0: No, I was just like, Am I crazy or do I hear a cat? (laughs) (laughs) No.
1: Nine let me I'm just taking a note here nine fifty ish cat all right, <laughs> I forgot to kick her out before we got started um so I apologize for interrupting there um, so so essentially, if we were looking at the things that you hear, it's either coming from the e d themselves or from perhaps the board yes. um expressing concerns about about some of the challenges that they're facing because my my guess is that you don't well you might have some eds coming to you saying hey i'm wearing too many hats but that's probably very
0: rare
1: (laughs) yeah probably pretty rare because they don't have that uh insight into themselves i guess probably right
0: right if if an ed is coming to me it's because they want systems in place and structure because they think that's going to help with whatever the problems are going on
1: gotcha Gotcha. When the real problem is them. I'm detecting something here in, in stuff that I do here at Relish myself. So uh, shining a light on, on, uh, on me here uh, in your, in your conversation. That's amazing. Um, When you're working with, with nonprofits, I mean, I heard you say that a lot of times they, they think that you're going to swoop in with your... Your Superman cape and, and just fix things and then go away. And, and it sounded like that's not the norm that no. normally it, it requires more investment. What, what are the, what should, should a, an executive director or board um, seeking to bring someone like you on to help them look at in terms of, of, a uh, longevity of, of that project or that engagement?
0: Yeah, I think – so this is sounds – gonna, I'm going to answer your question, but I, I'm also a Southerner, so I love stories and parables. So anyway, I tell folks that a lot of my work is like going to the dentist. Usually you go to the dentist for a checkup maybe once or twice a year, but some people never do that. They only go when there's a big problem. So folks, unfortunately, treat me the same way. They come to me when there's a big, big problem because they didn't do their checkups. They didn't do the maintenance. They waited and waited and waited until it got so bad that they think this can be solved quick, quick solution. (laughs) But in reality, there's so much more in depth. And I I, I usually do the root canal, um, comparison, mm-hmm. but I'll spare you that. Um, but, but that's usually what happens is folks come to me like, oh my gosh, my tooth hurts. And really it's like, oh, we got to get rid of the whole tooth and we got to look at the other ones. Um, so that's usually what's happening. And I tell folks what really is important is how much clarity has, I guess, at the board level, staff level, or even from an ED's perspective, like how much clarity do you have on the problems internally? Um, what are some things that are impacting you? But maybe there's more to that story that you don't even know. And uh, a lot of the times when I come in, I'm asking so many questions um, that they're like, they're not prepared. <laughs> so right. I think doing kind of like an audit, and, and it, again, you could hire that out, or you could just kind of take some time and really, you know, get feedback from staff. That's another thing I always tell folks to do. Like, I'm curious in what, and I always say this in my, in my intro calls, like, what do, I'm curious about what your staff thinks about this. <laughs> Does your staff express the same concerns that you have? Um, Mm -hmm. because your staff will tell you a whole lot about what's really the priority, um, And it may not just be like, oh, my gosh, it's leadership. It could be like, you know, I really just wish I understood where I send my my reimbursement information to. (laughs)
1: Right.
0: Hey, I really wish my onboarding was better. And sometimes what I've noticed is staff, they become very protective over new hires that come in after them. So they start doing more than maybe their job description allows. And I know in the nonprofit world, that's the norm. However, Mm -hmm. I want to change that because – I think that when you hire great folks, you you also want to make sure that they have what they need to succeed and they shouldn't be doing more so that way new hires don't have that experience. It should be like, hey, how can we make onboarding better staff? And there comes a solution out of that. Um, And even if that involves everyone on staff to participate, that's awesome, but it shouldn't be left to one person to do all those things. so I, I, I think that a lot of the times is just taking time for reflection. And, and I, I encourage anyone I work with um, to sit down and do a self-reflection. And then at the board level, maybe it's doing a board reflection um, mm-hmm. and maybe looking at engagement with staff. Like I, I, I've been doing listening tours for a client lately. I love doing them. And so I've been asking staff, um, what, in your opinion, is the relationship between board and staff? And so far, no one has, has been able to answer that question. It's like, oh, I met them once or twice. They're nice. (laughs) You're right. But that's it. Um, And then you have some staff where it's uh, it's different. They're heavily involved, right? Um, So yeah, just taking some time and really kind of do an inventory on what's happening with relations from between board ED and staff. Um, What feedback can you gather from the ED and from the staff? Does it correlate? And then say, okay, you know what? We thought it was a leadership problem. But maybe it's a culture problem, an employee engagement issue. Or maybe it's, you know what, we have zero systems in place at all for hiring, policies, and procedures. Um, you know what I mean? Like it, it gives you a better roadmap to where your focus needs to be. And then lastly, and I tell this to everyone, whether you're a nonprofit, small business owner, or entrepreneur, is really take time in developing where you see this place going. And I think I said this earlier, but like – and I would get – to the details of, okay, in, in one year, in three years, and five mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And if you can do 10 years, awesome, but that usually freaks people out. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and create a timeline of where you see this place evolving and growing. And that will help answer a lot of the questions of, okay, so our hiring efforts are going to be focused here right now because here's the immediate need, but you know what, I think that we're going to need X in a year or two. So it'd be great to get someone maybe at a mid level, we can bump them up to a director later. Um, and then we can get them more support as this department evolves. Like that's just a silly example.
1: So it's really about being proactive instead of reactive, um, in terms of, of planning for, for future growth and expansion, as well as, um, As well as just having systems in place before you you end up with problems. Yes, that's correct,
0: hundred percent. And then I tell folks like it doesn't have to be this perfect plan. It could literally just be an outline in a Google Doc, you know, with bullet points. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be this beautiful, immaculate. I think one thing about nonprofits I've learned is they get really hung up on it looking a certain way or it being extremely long and wordy and lengthy and and eloquent. And that's great. Uh, But it doesn't, to me, I've I've read a lot of information from nonprofits I've worked with and it never really got to the point of of the problem that needs to be solved or the future challenges that you might face once you do grow. Right. Um, So yeah, I completely agree. It's, It's all about being proactive and, and, and realizing that what you do today will not be the same in five years. So you right. have to have what you're, you know, you have to figure out what to do now, what, the, what those systems can look like now, but keep in mind that it may outgrow you. So you're going to have to come back and review this on a periodic, um, at a, 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 a different time frame. You know, it could be once a year, twice a year, or every two mm-hmm. years, but you're going to have to sit down and update and review these, these pieces and not just look at the mission statement and core yeah, values, absolutely. right?
1: <laughs> absolutely. I think that uh, a lot of people f- forget that pretty much everything is a living document. And, <clears throat> and, you know, even if you go to print, um, you know, it's that struggle with perfection as well, where we're always constantly trying to get things perfect. And in and, and, and reality, there is never perfect because you can always continue to, to tweak something until, until, you know, you're, you're unable to type anymore or whatever, however you're, you're creating that, that, that documentation or, or website or song or, or whatever. Um, and so getting comfortable with, with the, um, you know, the, the, the done is better than perfect idea and that everything can, can be revisited. And, sh- and in fact, m- many things should be revisited. Um, you know, if, if one can, can change one's mindset, I think to, to embrace that idea, um, I think we'd be, <laughs> be in a lot better shape because more things would just get done. We'd be able to get them out into the, into the, The world and test them and see how they're working and, and then make adjustments. And, um, and so teeing that up for clients. I mean, we, we do the same thing with, with documents. It's, it's like, you know, this is, this is where we are today. And in three months, we'll come back and revisit it and see if we're still in the same place. And if, if so, maybe that's good, maybe that's bad, but, uh, but ultimately we'll make adjustments accordingly.
0: Yeah. You know, Stu, you kind of said something that that I I tell folks is treating things like an experiment, right? Um, it's not like an onboarding process is never perfect, okay? Like even sometimes you have this dream of what your onboarding process can look like, and usually that dream is in the future, right? Um, and then you have that one person for onboarding, and you plan for like fifteen people, right? So. You know, it's an experiment, and and gathering data and information is is what I always say to my clients. You know, a lot of the times when you're changing systems or you're you know changing up documents or whatever, um, it's an experiment. You're seeing it. Can this really be executed uh, accordingly? And if not, what changes do we make? Um, And I and I agree with you. I think that's how I try to look at a lot of systems. Now, then there's the, the the legal part, right, with HR, which is not fun. Um, And that's different. (laughs) You can't experiment with law, (laughs) right? But you can also say, okay, you know, with how I do my hiring process, it's going to be equitable. But here's some different ways we can do it. We're going to try panel interviews. We're going to see how that works. And I did this with a client recently. That's why it's on my mind. But you know, they were really nervous about doing panels, and I had to do a whole training on here's how you can do an interview this way, or here's different techniques, and here's how we can prepare as a committee, and. Um, and I had explained to them, like, there is no perfect way to interview. It's just doing it over and over and again, again, to where it's, it's comfortable for you. But half of you all have never interviewed before. So mm-hmm. it's going to be rocky. It's going to be difficult. Um, but this is an experiment. Well, what, what did you learn from this experience that you went through and, and how can we use this for the next round that we do later? So, yeah, I completely agree with you on that.
1: Yeah, it's just a, it's an interesting mindset shift that I think, I think everybody would benefit from just, you know, recognizing that, um, that, well, first of all, you're not necessarily going to hit a home run the first time you, you know, you, you've stepped up to, to the plate, right. Mm-hmm. Um, to use a baseball analogy, which I don't know why I use because I don't play baseball or <laughs> watch it or anything, but there you go. I guess it's cause I'm from the United States and, and, uh, And here we are. Um, But, uh, but ultimately just knowing that, that you're, you're going to get better at this. You're going to find things that work. You're going to find some things that don't work and, and just be always flexible and, and attentive to, um to what's going on so that you can identify what's working and what's not more more quickly and and you know f- fail fast and move on.
0: yes, fail fast and move on. I like that that's a slogan um yeah and and I think I think most people it's natural to be nervous to fail or do something wrong right mm-hmm. um, like for example like terminations there is a wrong way to do a termination sure there is. Yeah. And, yeah. you know and I've I've been lucky to coach people so they don't have a bad experience, but I I have to tell like boards all the time, like, yeah, terminations are not fun for anyone. They're just not. Um, So I I try to prep folks in the fact that this employee, you have no idea how they're going to react. You think you've known them for 10 years. You have no idea what they're going to react to being terminated. Okay. So don't take anything that they say personally, because right Mm -hmm. now, they are processing with the fact that they are losing a job that they've had for X amount of time or for the reasons why they're being terminated. So they're going to come at you with some sassiness and be prepared. Right. Um, and so a lot of the times I, I I've, or, or I'll hear like, I try not to sit through certain things with my clients. Terminations being one of them.
1: <laughs> right. Because
0: I don't want this employee thinking that I, wanted them fired right like I it was my mm-hmm. agenda so I try to be mindful of what experiences to let the client handle on their own and coach them. So a lot of the times I'd lo- I like to do debrief so um, if they've done a hiring process and um, I was not there for the interview I want to do a debrief to help them work through uh, what happened because sometimes things can go left field okay well let's talk about that. so what can you do next time? What did you learn from this? What suggestions did I give you that you didn't take? That's okay right. too. Like you know what I mean? Like what do Okay, so this suggestion you didn't take, all right? Well, you do it next time. Great. Or okay, you di- you 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 did this and I didn't suggest that but it worked well. Awesome. It's just gathering information and and um and keep applying what's working and drop what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's usually where people they get so stuck in the perfection of something or they or doing it right, right? I want right. to do it right. And I'm like, well, that's great. We all want to do things right. <laughs> sure sure yeah
1: and what's yeah and and what's right might not be the best the absolute best of what it can be so um you know again it's that getting getting that experience and that expertise and being able to apply that to the the parts that works to a future uh, engage or, or, uh, conversation or, or circumstance and, and throw away the stuff that didn't work very well.
0: Yes. 100%. I agree.
1: So when working with nonprofits, what are, where do you, where do you typically think people should start? I know that, that you mentioned that a lot of times you suss that out through your, your processes. (laughs) Um, but is there, is there a, a size of nonprofit that people should really start to consider HR consulting or is there, what are the, what are some of the sweet spots or places where people really should have, have, uh, light bulbs go off that, that this might be the time that they need to start looking at, at, uh, streamlining their HR, uh, engagement.
0: Yeah, that's a great question and, and a, also a difficult one because I think I look at it as cycles and stages. So if, if, if there's a nonprofit and they have one person and it's the, just the ED, maybe you're not ready yet, but maybe you want to have like little one, one-on-one conversations to prepare to hire, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Or maybe you have a staff of six to 10 and you see that this is going to double in the next six months to a year. Okay, well, let's get started. But I think I think there is no perfect time to start. I just feel like the earlier the better. So if you are really realizing, oh my gosh, I we don't have a handbook, we don't have policies, policies or procedures, staff, um, you know, they're kind of doing onboarding like sink or swim style, right? Which is very common. Um, and we really want to smooth things up before we continue to hire. That's a great time, right? Um, so I guess there's no perfect time. It's more of It's more of, again, looking at where you're headed and when are you ready now to get things in place before things really kind of either take off or go off the rails. Right. Um, So kind of doing that quick check-in assessment with with the organization. Like, okay, look, hey, we we got a happy staff of six, but we could be better. Awesome. Maybe we'll get her in here, right? Right. Or maybe it's like, you know what, we really want to do some trainings and workshops around culture and you know, all kinds of different things. Awesome. Like it just, it really just depends on what the goals are internally. Um, where do they see their growth headed? If, if they plan on growing, right? There's some places where they, they want to stay small. That's great too. Maybe there's areas of refinement that they, they just haven't thought of. So it really just takes time and doing like a self-assessment, a check-in on where, where the, the org is at, where are they headed? And what are some things that are out of their expertise and skill set that they need an HR consultant to come in and do things? And it's not—it doesn't have to be just a handbook and policies, y'all. But uh, it's just that these are easier examples to think of. It could be a culture assessment. They want to look at the culture. They want to do a listening tour. They want to figure out are they practicing what they preach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are they actually providing their staff with a happy, um, you know, healthy work environment? Yes or no, and what changes mm-hmm. need to be made? Um, if not. So yeah, Yeah. it just depends on, on those different factors, I think.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. It sounds to me like the, there are a few things that you've mentioned a a number of times. One is this kind of this self-assessment piece and I'd love to dive in a little bit more into what that, what that looks like. So people could, could maybe have that as a tool that they, that they can at least start considering um, if they, if they find themselves wondering if they need an HR consultant, maybe they can, Take, take that step. What does that self-assessment kind of piece look like uh, when you take people through it?
0: Yeah, and you know, it's changing. Um, and it's funny because I, I created it originally as part of a project to create an equitable performance management process. But now I send it out to people all the time. Um, but yeah, so it could look like a lot of different things. I think that, I think the board might want to get a head start though before inviting the staff, Does that make mm-hmm. sense. Because they need mm-hmm. to get clear Um, on their goals and the things that they have to do. And I think here's the thing, and I'm curious in your thoughts on this, and this might go a little left field, but I think, I think folks forget that the board and staff, they, they, it's like they do a dance. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it matters what's happening at the board level, even if the staff don't know all the details, but it matters. Right. And what's happening at the staff level is extremely important uh, to the board. Even even then, even though they may not know the day to day operations of things, it's, it's I guess what I'm saying is these groups matter um, to one another, and I don't think that's always often talked about. I feel like they're talked about as separate entities, uh, right? You know what I mean? But they actually, uh, you'll be surprised when I when something's happening at the board level, uh, how that affects staff at some way, uh, shape, way, or form, and vice versa. Right. Um, so anyway, I think that sitting down and kind of those questions I kind of mentioned earlier is really where I would start, you know, um, and it could, it, it may, maybe if, if each member is doing it themselves and coming back to a group, that might be a little bit more detailed, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like a, a consultant buddy and I were talking about kind of renewing your commitment to a board and what that could look like, uh, which sounds fun. Um, So it could look like a lot of different things. And I think that someone would have to either curate a reflection self-assessment to fit um, the needs of the organization or um, really taking time to figure out, hey, where's my place here? Where's my role? Am I aligned with the mission still? Am I aligned with what we are doing in the world? Um, What does the core values or the culture mean for me as a person and as a board member, staff member, ED, right? Right. Right. And how am I showing up in this space, given all the information just said? And where do I see myself headed from here? It could be very yeah. simple. It doesn't have to be a 20-page you know, survey. It could literally be like six questions at the moment.
1: Right, right. It's interesting. I was on a call actually earlier today. And this was a, an opportunity for a founder, CEO type of person um, to really start to re- let go of the reins a little bit of, of their organization. And, and you could tell that, um, that this individual was having some challenges because of, you know, this had been this, this system and, and, um, you know, entity organization that, that, that they had, um, you know, good they'd come up with it. They had nurtured it over the, over the last 10 to 15 years. And, and they knew that they, that they were wearing too many hats and needed, needed experts on hand to help them. And one of the challenges that, that uh, was, was expressed was when, you know, they, they said, well, you know, as we're going out and selling, how do I make sure that the, that the message is, is consistent and and aligned and that people are saying the right things. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because, because when, when they said this, I thought to myself, well, that's what, that's what that values, vision, and mission exercise is perfect for in that everybody should be aligned and everyone may have, um, you know maybe a slightly different way of getting to mm-hmm. you know from point A to point B but as long as everyone's going toward point B and no one's you know completely off the rails in terms of how how they're getting there doing something unethical or or what have you it really shouldn't matter that much as long as we're as long as we're getting there and and when you have that strong culture and you have those strong um you know, values and, and, and that, that long-term vision, as well as the kind of pullback day-to-day mission components of what you're doing, then, um, then that's where you, you can just let people, let people do their thing. And, Mm -hmm. and hopefully, you know, not only have you, have you partnered with or hired great people who are going to bring more to the table than you could have ever done, you know, yourself, but also, um, You also have the ability to let them make mistakes because, because that's where, that's where they are able to grow and just become even stronger parts of that team. Um, so it was an, it was an interesting, like, you know, slight, I, I talked about a light bulb moment earlier. It was a slight little light bulb moment for me where I was like, Oh, that's, this is where he's, he's coming from here and, and where he just needs to let go of of that control and allow, allow the people that he's, that he's put his trust in, allow them to do their thing.
0: Yeah. It's showtime. They got to show what they've learned and, and and that letting go is. So it's funny because I talk a lot about founder syndrome sometimes with different, You know summits and things. I I bring it up because it's funny when I tell nonprofits this. Like, oh, we don't have that here because we're a nonprofit. I said, no, 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 you do. It just doesn't look the same. It's not one founder, right? But if you've had a a board of folks that've been there for a decade, well, they're Mm -hmm. gonna, they're gonna, they're going to show symptoms of founder syndrome. Just going to look a lot different, right? Or if Mm if you've had an ED that's been there for half of a decade, like five years, six years, they're also going to start. Uh, you know, having those symptoms as well. It just, again, it's going to manifest itself a lot different uh, than just a founder or CEO. And um, I think that letting go piece is really difficult for some and, and allowing someone to have the autonomy to make mistakes. Right. Right. Um, I think that folks that are micromanagers, they don't understand that the more you micromanage, the less autonomy you're giving someone to learn. Um, And so, Uh, I think it's really, really important that folks think of that. But yeah, it's it's like, well, you can't control how this is going to, how it's going to turn out, but you can at least give them enough resources, tools, um, information to be able to get to where they're supposed to get to. And that's the most important piece. Um, And how to stay in that lane, right? How to stay in your lane of, of, of prepping up the people and helping them get to where they need to get to, but let them... Um, let them figure that those things out for themselves, so yeah it's a fun yeah, dance sure. it's a fun dance
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so one of the things I'm really picking up on, which is is fantastic, is I think when people think of h r all they think about are kind of the hiring and 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 firing and and those types of things, but what you're telling me or what I'm hearing from you rather, is that there's just a lot more that goes into the HR consultancy or that you can bring to the table to help organizations kind of take it to that next level, and it's not just about building teams, but it's about that culture piece, um, and and how to um, how to get everybody on board, like what we were just talking about. What what are some of the things that you see, or, or maybe maybe places where people. Skip steps um, where an, an HR consultant like you could help um, help keep them on track to to really you know get get very much leveled up in terms of of uh, their culture piece.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I love talking about culture. And and before I dive into that, thank you, Stu, for picking that up because <laughs> I <laughs> I literally try to tell folks that. Um, you know, I uh, yes, HR, mm-hmm, shiny object syndrome, come over here. But when they meet me and talk to me, I'm asking other questions. I'm not asking about your handbook or, you know, I don't care about your workers' compensation policy right now. What I care about is other pieces, um, mm-hmm. this puzzle that that is people, right? That's really what it is. It's people operations is what I'm trying to get people to steer to, right? HR is – I think HR has got a bad rep <laughs> over the last – few decades. Um, so I think it's, it's managing people and how do you handle that? And what does that look like? But with culture, I think there's a lot of different things. I think it also starts with the, um, in this case with nonprofits, how, how is the culture being embedded, right? Like what makes up this culture? And a lot of folks, when you ask them, they, they go straight to what's on the website. You know what I mean? They, Mm -hmm. They quote their mission statement, their core values and what they're doing with their uh, there don't, you know, all the great things that they're doing, um, but that's not answering the question. So I usually ask people like, how are, how are decisions being made? Um, h- how is feedback given and received? Uh, how are folks engaging on a day to day basis? Is there, is there, like, for instance, I don't like the open door policy, because to me, it's, what does that mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then how does that translate in a virtual remote space? Um, how are staff meetings being conducted and is it just a lecture of, or what I call status updates or is it like a conversation debrief over what has happened in the past week? Is it coming up with solutions together? Is it collaborative or is it uh, not? Right. Um, So it's kind of looking at the day to day and really figuring out how, um, how is it aligned with where they think their culture is. So I'll give you an example where, and this is kind of ranty, so I'm sorry, but I don't like when folks say that their workplace or their staff is like a family, right? Um, No, it's not like a family. (laughs) You don't pay to go to barbecues. You don't expect someone to pay you from your family for hanging out and working, right? That is not what we do with our actual family. So therefore, let's not call our, our workplace, our co-workers a family. And it leaves room for toxicity, um, resentment. And um, then you start feeling obligated to do things that you don't have to do, right? So mm-hmm. it just, I I'd never really liked that. And I always tell folks that, well, a workplace, if you call it a family, it'll be a dysfunctional one, <laughs> yeah. So, so really just taking the time and like, and looking at all these different pieces of this culture puzzle from the day-to-day operations to like, again, feedback, especially, and also leadership, because, um, you know, if leadership is very top down, then that's kind of the culture that you're going to have. So staff may not really want to come to that leader with suggestions or ideas or coming up with some cool, I don't know, so just some cool projects or. I don't know. Who knows? They may not do that in a top-down leadership type culture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you say that you're collaborative, are you practicing what you say? So, do people come together and talk about things? How how is that being done and shown? Um, and then also employee engagement. So, how are you? How it, it doesn't have to be cookouts, potlucks. Like I know that when we think employee engagement, like that's what we think, but it really mm-hmm. could be staff retreats. It could be. Um, How are you investing in their, their education and knowledge of something, you know, are they wanting to learn more about, I don't know, I'm going to say development because it's something that I really want to learn. (laughs) I hear so much about it in my work. I'm like, what is this? Um, So, or maybe they wanted to learn more about fundraising and maybe you can, you know, you can hook them up with a mentor on the board or maybe you have to look outside um, look external for some resources. Um, So there's a lot of different pieces I think to culture and, really it's kind of do, again going back to doing an inventory to really see are all these things aligning or what where's the gaps what's missing okay we tell staff that we're collaborative but yet we really aren't okay well what does that really need to look like um uh the, those kind of things or how mm-hmm. how are we making decisions that impact a group of people um do we invite Uh, I don't know, volunteers to some of these meetings because this is going to impact them and it would be great to get their input, right? Um, So really kind of looking at things and taking things apart a little bit and just kind of saying, hey, are, are, we really, are we really showing up the way we think we are? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and what are the things that we could do better, improve? But also, what are the things that we're doing great at? Maybe Billy's barbecue every July is the hit of the year, right? right? Like, let's keep that barbecue going. Awesome. Or, you know, our board retreats are kind of lackluster. So maybe we could definitely spend more time developing this out for the board. And for the staff, okay, what does that look like? Do we have the resources? Do we need someone to come in and do, um, do some do do something with us? So yeah, I know it's very long-winded, but uh, I hope I answered your question.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. One of the things that we see, and I think this is just, this is just pretty standard with people, is that what we think we're great at, or what we think we're Known for or or liked for, uh, oftentimes isn't the f- the thing that the people who are engaging with us actually believe is is our best attribute or mm-hmm. even worst attribute, for example. And one of the things that we do um, here at Relish is um, when we're doing client interviews, we're really looking for the language that clients are using when when they talk about an organization, and um, and what the clients are really saying that, uh, that, that that's, you know, what they were looking for and the problems that they were actually looking to get solved. And it's funny, we had a client that was in, um, they were, they were in, uh, home services. And when we asked them what made them special and different, they talked about all this great equipment that they would bring to job sites And how cool that was. And then when we interviewed the clients, not one client like mentioned how neat all of the equipment was, they, they talked about how punctual and, and friendly and easy to work with the, the, the company was. And, and so those actual, you know, listening for problems that the company solved as well as those attributes that were being kind of lavished upon them, um, really led to a change in in the language that we recommended that they use on their site to describe, you know, why people should work with them. And so it very quickly adjusted from this discussion of, of, uh, you know, all this all this great gear that (laughs) that they brought to to help fix your your house to how to the experience that they were going to bring or that they were going to create when they, when they engaged with, when you engaged with them as a, as a vendor. Um, so it's, it's really, it's fascinating to me to, to be able to pay attention to those kinds of conversations and, and really see what people are saying. And so I I imagine that you do a lot of interviews with, um, with kind of all those stakeholders to, to get to that. Is that, is that part of your process as well?
0: I, w- I wish I had the time and I wish they had the budget. Cause I would love to do that. <laughs> but w- w- with my listening to I usually stick with the staff at first, mm-hmm. de- depending on where that leads me, then I'll go to the board and then we'll see where it goes. But usually folks, you know, with nonprofits, you got to work with what you can work with. Sure. Um, but what I usually tell folks is, I'll ask them questions like with staff. I'll ask them to describe what are the behaviors? What are these different actions that you have seen in the workplace that describe the culture? Right. Because a lot of, again, like with culture, it's so robust that it's hard to kind of figure out, you know, what that looks like. So, or I'll ask questions like what behaviors, um, other synonyms um, uh, are rewarded right Mm -hmm. at this place. Um, and that question tells me a whole lot. So if they're saying, punk, you know, punctuality and following the leader and saying, <laughs> right. or being the loudest in the room, right? Like that tells you a whole lot versus someone saying collaborative, friendly, um, you know, a, a servant leadership. I don't know, I'm just making up things. Um, right. You know, right. being helpful, resourceful, right? Th- this, this tells you a lot of things about an organization without having to do a 360 listening tour or survey. Mm -hmm. Um, but it does tell you a lot of of where to start. Um, so yeah, for me, it's like the type of questions I'm asking staff and the types of questions I'm asking board. Um, and here's a fun fact. I don't ask the board any questions. I usually deliver a whole presentation and then I ask them what shocked you, Like, (laughs) (laughs) what's shocking for you or what's new for you? Because if I were to ask the board, what the culture is, It's going to look very, very differently from the folks that actually live and breathe in that, right?
1: Right. So I don't want to
0: skew my data. So I usually, it's more of like a discussion about what they have experienced after me delivering the information I gathered. And that's fun. That's my favorite part because they're usually like, oh my gosh, I don't know as much as I think that I know about what's going on at the staff level. Um, So it's always fun. I love that part.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I love the, the, the shocking, uh, reveal. I think that's, that's a great, a great tactic to, uh, to really get, get some, uh, some engagement. Do you with, in your HR capacity, are you doing, um, like big, big breakout type, uh, meetings with boards? That's not the right, I know Uh,
0: what you mean. Like an all board meeting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Are you you helping to facilitate those as well? Well, It
0: just depends. I mean, I've done a variety of, I've been grateful that I've done a lot of cool stuff. So I have, I have been to, those are terrifying, but I'll do (laughs) them because it's, it's more, it's more than you. Right. So it's like Mm -hmm. 20 people in a room and then you're the one delivering bad news. And that's always, hopefully it's good news, but for the most part, it's always like, so here's the problem.
1: Or, yeah. I was on a board you know, where we had a, an all day kind of intensive and, and, you know, it was really coming back down to, to what's the, so the board's there to, to really kind of guide, you know, point, point in the right direction. They're not there to, to facilitate the, uh, the movement toward that direction.
0: 100%. Usually, right? But most folks, and, don't, they can't. They they can't see it that way,
1: <laughs> right? Right, but uh, but ideally, uh, you know, you have you have a board that says we're going we're going this way, and and hopefully they give some, uh, you know, inspiring um, inspiring speeches to uh, to encourage people. But that that's that's the right decision. Um, maybe they're not giving speeches really, but in any event, uh, yeah, they're they're giving them some some guidance as opposed to telling them how to do it. It's the here's where we're going. And, um, and so we've, you know, in the, in my experience on boards, we've had, you know, potentially all day sessions to review those, you know, that vision, and then, you know, kind of pull back to the mission that, that helps drive that helps the, what's the day to day that helps get us there. Um, but you know, those can be, you know, these very intense all day types of, of engagements, which can be. Very rewarding. Um, I was just curious if that was if that was something that you and your your uh, that you do as your capacity of a of, of an
0: HR consultant. Yeah, I've done. I mean, it's funny because I just got someone asked me, "Hey, can you? We're going to have a board retreat and we're going to talk about org structure. Can you come and <laughs> do a little thing on it?" I'm like, "Sure." So I, I have. I've had the pleasure. It just depends on exactly the topic. Like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. very detail oriented. So, like, what are we talking about? How much time do we have? Um, but yeah, I, I love, I love having those conversations because it does help having someone outside of the entity to kind of help guide the conversation. And, um, it's nice being a third party to, to these kind of conversations, especially if, if, if we're, if the conversation is around planning for the future or Mm -hmm. mapping that out. Right. Um, and I've, and yeah, I, I, I love having those, those conversations with folks and, um, and seeing where that goes and. Helping them brainstorm. I love brainstorming. It's so much fun. Um, Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I have. It's fun. I I enjoy it when I get the opportunity.
1: That's great. I'm. I'm, This hour flew by. I'm. I'm. I had such a good time talking with you today about all of this stuff. If if a a board member or an ED or or someone who has the capacity to uh, to reach out to you to to bring you on for help, if they if If they are feeling that like they're wearing too many hats or or are experiencing any of the any of the challenges that we talked about today, what what should they do? How should they uh, go about finding out more and and reaching out to to find you?
0: Yeah, there's a few ways. Um you can go to my website www.otissaeves.com. Uh, you can leave me a message on there. That's perfectly fine. or you can directly email me. Uh, my email address is hello at com, And you can also find me on LinkedIn, which is a great place. Uh, you can send me a, a message, and I'd love to talk more and set up a time to figure out what the needs are. So, those are some ways that folks can get a hold of me for sure.
1: That's great. I'll put those in the show notes for sure. Um, I love having these conversations of being able to talk with experts like you and help um, help bring a little bit more insight and, and engagement to the nonprofit space. I know that it's a challenge out there for nonprofits. And, uh, and so having someone like you willing to come on the show and, and chat with me is just fantastic. And I I very much appreciate you being on the show. If there was one thing that you would have people do, however, I, I I like saying that, uh, that, that talk is great, but actions, actions even better, Uh what would, what would that action be, uh, that you'd like people to take after listening to the show today?
0: Ooh, man, that's hard because I got all all the answers. I would say the (laughs) biggest thing, the biggest action step is uh, gather feedback and data, whether that's from the staff, from the ED, or, you know, from the board to the board, however you want to look at it. but Spend time gathering information and doing your own inventory and research on what's happening internally, just because it gives you, you're able to really communicate your needs when you're working with, you know... um, consultants or other experts, it just really helps to understand what's going on. And that way you're not dealing with too many surprises uh, from that consultant having to deliver some information to you. You already know, here's my mess. Here's where we're at. How do we clean it up? You know what I mean? (laughs)
1: Yeah, for sure. So do that, do that work up front to really get a good feel for, uh, for what you think the challenges are before you, before you maybe reach out.
0: Yes. I couldn't agree more.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being on the show today, Otissa. I had a really fantastic time talking with you and and really appreciate you taking the time.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. And I just adore you and everything that you're doing in the world. This is Ah, great.
1: Thank you. That's awesome. Have a great day.
0: All right. You too. Bye. Bye.
1: And there you have it. Another great episode of Relish This. Thanks again for listening. You can find past episodes of the show at relishthis.org. And remember, if you liked what you heard today, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on purpose marketing, grab your free copy of my book, Mission Uncomfortable, How Nonprofits Can Embrace Purpose-Driven Marketing to Survive and Thrive. Get your copy now at missionuncomfortablebook.com. Thanks again for listening. Come back next week, won't you?